Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. Welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week we are joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports fields, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world, each sharing their own truths and their personal journeys. Now, if you've been hiding under a rock or living in outer Mongolia, I want to introduce you to today's guest, which is none other than our very own Mr. Glenn Marsden. Now, Glenn is the founder of one of Australia's most publicized initiatives, Imperfectly Perfect. He's also a highly sought after mentor for entrepreneurs and one of Australia's most influential and empowering public speakers. Now, he is the humble success behind his organization, Imperfectly Perfect, which gained global recognition within 12 months and has seen over 450 plus of the world's most influential public figures get behind him from the world's most respected thought leaders to Hollywood celebrities, professional athletes, corporate leaders and medical professionals all on board to challenge the culture and narrative around mental health. He's been featured in over 150 international publications, networks and stages, and scaled his work into into an international organization, establishing leading workshops, initiatives, awareness programs, and resources for people worldwide. So welcome, Glenn, to your very own show. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that sounded amazing there. I'm out of a job now. <laughs> I know. Well, listen, you know, with so many, uh, you know, things that you can um, lay your hat to, I think what you've done over the last three years has been nothing short of a miracle. I mean, you look at all of the public figures that you've brought together with this one aim in mind. Now, I'm interested to kick this off by really delving into what happened three years ago that activated this desire in you to really shift the narrative around mental health? Yeah, well, it really stemmed from losing a friend to mental health. And to be honest with you, the reason why we decided to do this episode to bring it back was obviously we've gained a lot of people in that global community. And obviously a lot of people don't know the premise behind it. So look, I am a photographer and um, I utilized a lot of my professional skills in terms of photography to take pictures outside and also of my kids. And the reason I tell you that is because I put a lot of pictures on Facebook of my kids. Six, seven years ago, the whole premise behind this mental health notion that came into my life was through body dysmorphia, being in the fitness industry, but leading more so, I attributed it to having a look on social media and comparing myself. Look, it's always raw when we talk about these conversations, but this is the whole premise behind Imperfectly Perfect. If we don't have the hard conversations, then like, unfortunately, we're going to continue losing people. I unfortunately lost somebody back in the UK, living in Sydney, Australia. I hadn't seen them for a long time. One of my whole premises behind mental health or when I touched mental health myself and struggled was through body dysmorphia six, seven years ago. 
um, and a big attributor to me was social media. I actually turned it off because I was comparing myself to highlight reels, perfect bodies, or so I thought were perfect bodies, and I actually turned it off. But I do delve in the realm of photography. So I did utilize it a little bit and I took pictures of the kids. And three years ago, as you so rightly put it there, where, where did it stem from? It was actually turning social media back on and noticing this friend from the UK had sadly passed away. Now, as we often do, when you hear something like that, you want to know what happened. I looked into it, looked into the whole social media, bearing in mind I'd not been home for years i've lived in sydney australia you lose contact with people but obviously you remember people as you grow we used to train together social media showed highlight reels of cars of a career of a family nothing out of the blue and as we know if there's an illness normally there's a build-up people post about it and there was nothing so i actually reached out to several friends back in the uk who bearing in mind i've not spoken to neither but i was saying can you tell me a little bit more about what happened unfortunately We lost him to suicide and nobody saw it coming. Now, the whole premise behind why the Imperfectly Perfect came about was because when I heard about it, I continued, I suppose, in a spiral role of of keep on something kept pulling me back to his profile on Facebook just to check. And, you know, like we often do, we question, did we not see anything? And I know I'd not been there for a long time, but it's questions that did we not see anything with people? I know I went through some things, so I was looking for things. There was a video and it was a montage of his partner had put together of their life together, the marriage, and then an interlude with his little boy. Now, you know, I've got a little boy, I've got a little girl. Back then, I just got a little boy. Poor. And it was this interlude of him rocking his little boy, kissing, cuddling, laughing. And for me, it just... I don't know, it's very raw when you speak about it because you can't fathom having to sit down a child and just telling them that mum or dad's not coming home. I mean, you saw on the Instagram post the other day, I brought something up and it was about a little girl and it was talking to her father. And then unbeknownst to us, as the conversation went on, her father was actually in heaven. And I I showed my reaction to that and I just welled up and several other guys welled up and the amount of messages I got. And that was the whole premise. I... A couple of weeks later, I was speaking to friends about it and they were telling me how they'd lost. And I don't know, for something in me, there was just something that I was like, I want to do something here. I'd been through it. I knew what despair was felt like. If anyone's gone through body dysmorphia, it isn't nice. It You don't know how to get yourself out of the cycles. It just showed me how powerful the mind is from going from someone who used to be on stages in front of maybe 60 to 100 people teaching classes, extrovert. Even Kat, my wife at the time, used to think, well, you must have a bit of narcissism. You look in the mirror 24-7. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? And I can laugh at it, but it was self-loathing. Um, so, yeah, I reached out to all the organizations and running an organization now. I fully understood back then, but I understand it back now. There's so many people with advocacy and wanting to do things that I got no a lot of the times from people. And I always say on podcasts, you know me, I'm a Yorkshire man. I rolled my sleeves up and I was like, I'm just going to do something. I don't know what, what can I do? Utilize my skills as a photographer. And I was like, and it's my podcast so I can swear. I was like, I'm going to show the shit that nobody shows. This is what it looks like when we're going through the struggles. Or I'm going to take people back to a place, what it looked like for them. 
And I reached out to public figures and people sometimes will say, and I know networks have said the celebrity campaign. And that's where I like to draw them back and say, please go to the campaign. There's corporate leaders, there's influential people in science, the medical field. Yes, people in entertainment. And why is that? Because we look up to these at times. We think, oh, they've got fame. They've got money. They can't struggle. They can't. And I wanted to uncover that. And I wanted to capture every human basic need. And that's the need to belong. And that's that's the whole premise. It's so interesting just listening to you speak because there's so many pieces of the puzzle that you just talked about there. And one of them was this, every person that I spoke to to tell about what happened to your friend in the UK, they all had their own story. They all had something that could make them go, well, yeah, yeah, me too. And it just makes you realize how many people are going around the world, going about their day with this mask on of everything's, you know, everything's absolutely rosy, where in the background, they know of someone, they may even be feeling it themselves. So I love hearing your story about, you know, you're rolling up your sleeves and saying, right, okay, as a Yorkshire man, I'm going to go and do something about this. Did you know when you stepped into doing this, that this would become your, your, your true purpose? Initially, I didn't, but I just knew there was a spark in me, unlike anything else. And people who look into my back end of the story, and they know that I left my career in fitness, and I jumped in construction, I was doing six hours, um, I was doing six days a week, 12 hours a day, I was networking, marketing, everything with this campaign. And people said, how did you do it? There was a spark in me. I didn't burn out. I wasn't tired. I knew there was something far bigger than me. And then people often say like, well, how did you find your purpose? And I was like, for me, it's pretty much, you have to go with a lot of introspect and and start looking inwards. And I suppose through my journey, I started (laughs) really delving deep and looking at how I was acting and, and, and things about me and everything that we've been taught through growing up to the societal expectations and why I felt the needed to be perfect with my body, being in the fitness industry, like who stamps that approval to say that we are perfect. And when it comes to social media, there's this big attributor that you're some kind of credible person. If you've got a blue tick now, we know that celebrities and that when it first initiated on IG, for instance, this blue tick, it was a form of, notifying that that's the real person however when it got squiffed along the way with the public just getting these blue ticks it was kind of this whole demise in people's mental health where someone sat behind a computer deeming whether we're actually worthy of a blue tick to say who we are or not and for me it was just a lot of introspective work and the more I went deeper and inner and the more doors started opening for me, and yes, it was hard work, but I fully started seeing the bigger picture of where this could go, not knowing where and who it would reach, like as we know now in America with like Dr. Joe Dispenza sat with him and that blew my mind, but I, had, I always had a feeling that it was something far bigger than me. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you, you've literally picked out two pivotal moments that activated something within you 
to bring your true purpose to you. Uh, you know, some people might say it kind of landed on your on, on your on your doorstep, but it was kind of joining those dots of the way you felt with body dysmorphia, what happened to your friend in the UK, speaking to other people, um, for you to go, my gosh, this, this is something I feel really passionate about. And you've just described there the fact that you could work for hours and hours and hours without burning out because you felt so strongly about it. So what's been your biggest lesson on this journey over the last three years? Again, I would have to go and turn it to being interest, interest, I can't even say the word now, <laughs> introspective of yourself. I think that's the biggest lesson that anyone can take, like learning how to embrace yourself for who you are, our imperfections, embrace acceptance, surrendering, knowing who we truly are, who we were born to be, but we've obviously got shit piled on us all the way through. <laughs> Turning inwards, again, that intro, um, yeah, I can't say the word, but um, finding, your, finding your community. I think for me, those things are everything that I've learned, that everything that we're told, and it can come on an entrepreneurship journey, it can come on any kind of personal, professional level, and it's like, Everyone is growing up and they're told, like, do this, do that. You've got to do this on social to get that, to get this, to get that. And I'm just like, wow, we have been conditioned so much by society and external validation that we're like, okay, Kazia, let's just throw a bit of shit on you there. Let's throw a bit of shit on you there. And it's like, we always talk about the Buddha, the story where there's gold and it's got that much shit on it that nobody knew it was there until they saw a glimmer of gold. And it's like the IPC, we, we we uncover those layers. And I suppose with me, it came from body dysmorphia, uncovering that, the comparison syndrome, the judgment, then social media, seeing these people that you think have the highlight reels and, and going, but that's not true. I know that person who's a multimillionaire. And what I thought is totally not reality. That person who's one of Hollywood's most famous people, that's not their reality. That's what we perceive as their reality. So we are actual facts. The only person that can find our true happiness or our purpose is ourselves. We've got to stop looking for external things. We've got to look more internal. I love that. And, and with everything that you've kind of stripped back, because I think one thing that you said there is, you know, it's about knowing who we are. And, and I think that that sounds really easy you know, just, you know, just be you. But most people haven't got a clue who they are because, you know, so many people have told them who they are. They've given their impression of who they are. And and that can be the same. It can be completely different. When you start to strip back the, that shit, yep. you know, your show, <laughs> that shit, um, and you find the gold within, F from your perspective, what fundamentally changed within you when you started to strip that back? Were there freedoms that you felt? What, what fundamentally changed within you? See, I, I can only, as we always talk about, I can only speak on a personal point of view. And what happened to me was I was broken. I had to learn to surrender. And what I mean by being broken was one of the fundamental things that I found along my journey was I did do a lot of work on myself. And I think a lot of people start on this personal development journey and then it develops a spiritual journey. And I suppose mine did. It started personal development. I wanted to find more about myself. Then the spiritual journey and actually realizing that 
we're all spiritual beings. Where do spiritual beings come from? We've got everything that we need within us. But again, we're piling so much stuff that we need money. We need resources. We need this. We need this. Yes, it makes the world go round, but we've got everything within here. And we've got fellow spiritual beings, brothers and sisters that are there to assist us and to enable us to fully find who we are. And I will never say it's the easiest journey because for me, I like to be transparent on everything. I was broken. So there was a point where, and you was one of these people that that changed my life. So thank you for that. But fundamentally, again, it's a support system you do need that understand and who have gone on that journey themselves to really embrace and, and help you through this moment. Because I think if you're trying on your own, it is like mental health struggles. It's going to be a lot harder and lengthy process than just realizing. So just, just getting back to my story, sorry. I was shown on one hand that I was doing all these hours on construction. I was working. I was always with money. And then obviously the pandemic hit. So luckily my wife was still working. Then the kids were off school. So one of us had to take off. My wife was working in a very good career. So I took the time off because mine was casual because I was doing all this. And it was the full time where my money started like dwindling down to next to zero. And there was times if I didn't have a support network, I remember in my bathroom and I was like, as a man, I was listening to my kids play and thinking, I can't even go out and buy them something. And I was like, here I am, this guy who everyone sees on the external, who's helping everybody else, who's pouring so much. And it was you who actually said, Glenn, you are pouring so much out, your book is empty. In fact, you've got, what did you say, sandstone or something in the bottom of your bucket. <laughs> yeah. and, and I remember it so vividly. And I was like, yeah. But on the other hand, you also turned it around for me and talked on a spiritual nature of going, but do you understand what is also happening? you're actually being taught what it's like for the people you're trying to help on that spectrum. And then on the other side, I worked through that. And as we know, the rest of that story, suddenly this amazing gig just dropped in my lap and I'd gone from literally zero to six figures. And I was like, wow. Like, so things that happen along those journey, but then on the flip side, again, people saw me with, Dr. Joe Dispenser, all these people. I was getting all these celebrities. And again, people were seeing all this and then reaching out to me going, Glenn, can you connect me with? Glenn, can you do this? Can you do that? And again, I started turning in on myself. And again, without yourself and without other support networks, I could have just quit and just gone into myself and gone back to that old narrative. Because I was like, who wants to know Glenn for Glenn? Like everybody's just taking and it's just like, who's Glenn's friends? Like nobody at the minute just wants to go, Glenn, do you want to go out and get a beer and just a meal? And and that that hit hard until I think it may have been yourself again, who was like, but Glenn, can you see? So the people on that end of the spectrum, the celebrities, the corporate leaders, the money people, you're actually being shown what it's like for them. So you're better understanding them. And then when that came together, I was like, my God, I was broken, but for a purpose. So this, I can see how big it's going to get, continue to get, and create the legacy that I always have been because I've been shown the depth of despair of what it feels like. And I've also been shown this side to actually bring people together on this equilibrium and and, and just go, it doesn't matter how much fame you've got, how much money you've got, lack of money you've got. We're here. We're human. We're all the same. It is about this human experience and 
you know my belief is that every pivotal moment that we go through is is another piece of our tool chest it's another signpost to where we're actually going and I, and I love the fact that your experience however painful has really kind of shown you the the full extent and breadth mm. of what people go through and the difficulties that they go through and you've touched upon the fact that people have been your go-to kind of picking you up from from those depths but when you're you're feeling that your mindset is starting to slip or you feel that you might be dropping into that hole apart from people do you have a go-to practice that you could share with everybody that you utilize to be able to pick yourself up yeah, in all honesty, there's the main three. So number one, me, which is important to everything, is my support network. Yeah. Every single time, you definitely need those. And I want people to start thinking about, start paying attention to the people around you that when you are going through these that suddenly just appear in your life. It, it doesn't matter who they are. You could you could listen, a dustman could turn up and he could just say some words and you just need to hear them at the right time. Just pay attention to these things because spiritually as I'll go my journey they're brought to us we have all the help that we need we just need to look out for it and we need to listen and the other two are if something a good friend of mine Jeremy Jackson over in the US put me through when I first went talking about meditation I used to find it hard because my head works at like a thousand miles an hour and I was like how do I slow it down so mine actually transverse more to breath work and then obviously Wim Hof before meeting Wim Hof because for me, it was getting in a nice cold pool. I couldn't think of anything else except my breathing. And that actually helped with meditating because my mind was slowed down. And then I got more clarity. So every time that I'm, I'm wavering, I go in there. And lastly, it will be a podcast. So for me, it'll be somebody that I can listen to who puts things into perspective. And I tend to go onto the spiritual podcast now because everything is linked to being a spiritual being in moving forward. And I know some people might be like, oh, I'm not too much into that. But again, we're on different parts of our journey. So I'd invite people to actually start listening to certain things that pop up in our life now and again. Listen to a podcast that can swing your mood the other way. And, and I will say for anybody, if you are feeling at those low ebbs, go and volunteer your time to somebody who may not have something that you have because if you can wake up each day and you've got the breath in in your lungs and you've got a roof over your head you've got something more than maybe someone else has and if you can just go and help them and see it from their perspective that changes it as well I love that I love that and this random act of kindness you know even if you don't necessarily volunteer just going out and and doing one good deed changes our our, our physiology our state it's interesting that you talk about the, you know, the different people that you've interacted and you've done over a hundred different podcasts now or different episodes of the podcast. And I would imagine the individuals that you've spent time with, and there's been such a vast array of different individuals, they've each left you with a greater awareness, a, a nugget, um, you know, a piece of information. And I know that this is going to be like the hardest question ever. If you had to pick just one, one person, one person who's given you a greatest, you know, the greatest awareness or understanding or change about the way that you perceive them even, who would that person be? 
See, it's one of the first people that I actually interviewed in terms of the corporate leaders. Now, as you say, it's been incredible, everybody, and the things I've learned in the entertainment industry, and I always bring this point up because I think a lot of people don't see, it is a job. So they are stipulated on their socials to post highlights because it gets them further work. But if they're not working and they can't afford to pay a publicist, they don't get any events, they don't get an agent, their agent may drop them. So then they're out of work and then the publicity will pick up that they're out of work and then they'll get bad publicity. And then it's kind of this whole spiral thing. But for me, the first corporate leader that I interviewed was a lady in the in, in, in Australia, sorry, called Roxy Jisenko. Now, Roxy Jisenko, when she was younger, she's in PR, she's in the PR world and marketing, very successful lady in Australia. Back in the day when she was at the start of a journey, she was gun hungry, she said, and she went out there and she was networking and she was getting in people's faces and the other people in PR didn't like it. It was it was a competitive nature and it is anyway. Um, but again, this has followed her for all the time. But actually, when I sat down and I listened to a story, what you see and what you hear of, of, of Roxy or what we presumed we knew was... Headlines on papers that she basically, it's its this woman with all this money and she's in PR, she does this and her husband went to jail for this and, and she does this and this. And then when I got to know her and sat down with her and she was like, but people don't know that I'm like, they say that I came from a well-off family. My mum and dad, anyone that comes from a well-off family, like a lot of the times, their parents will make them work hard for their money. It's not like they're silver spoon-fed. Eden Sassoon said the same thing. Her dad, Vidal Sassoon, British background, made her work for everything that she's got, taught her fundamentals, but made her work. And Roxy, she was she was just talking about, like, you've got to think in terms of if you are brought up in an influential family or anything like that, it's you have to be seen to be perfect. Like, if, if, if you don't keep up to that standards, are you going to be seen to be different from your family? Are people going to look down you? Are you going to shame your family? And then what happened with her husband was something that happened with him. But that got slung to her. So then it was dragged through the papers as with her. And then she got cancer, but she was bringing up two kids, trying to run a business herself. And then when she came onto the campaign, it actually got picked up by a PR and marketing magazine. And it basically, it, it started talking about the campaign and then showed her and showed her one of the images that we'd shot. It was the first time that I'd experienced bullying on a level from adults going, cry me a river. Oh, look at this celebrity. Oh, look at this. Who has made this campaign? Duh, duh, duh. And it was the first time where I felt like going on the attack and saying, whoa, how can you, as a grown adult, judge somebody based on their past? Are you not going to give them, like, look in your own back garden before you start judging others? But, yeah, it was that one. I just, I, I couldn't believe, first of all, a magazine would do that to somebody and let people comment without taking the comments off, because we've obviously seen this cancel culture these days where people do that to others. And secondly, it gave me a first-hand perspective. And now I've done a lot of corporate leaders, but she was the first one. And, and, and she taught me what it was for people with money, that people think money can buy, buy happiness. It can solve problems when, in actual fact, it, it really can't. And you just do not know the hard work that goes behind making that money. And I think this is the bit that 
I absolutely love about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and what you've been doing is, is the story. You know, we nobody knows the story that other people have gone through unless you've walked a mile in their shoes. And mm-hmm. I think what IPC demonstrates so beautifully is even just 300 yards in those shoes to give people a kind of understanding of, of what's going on behind the the image that everybody sees on the screen or in, in business. And IPC has so beautifully created really unique initiatives to get this point across. For anybody that's sitting there wondering what's coming up next, can you give anybody a sneak peek, even just a tiny bit of what you have planned for the IPC community? Ooh, yes. So the exciting thing is, obviously, people have known over the three years, we've gone through all the social platforms, the podcast, the magazine. What we've done is actually we've integrated it. So we've got the global community in one place. So you get to come onto the global community through our platform, which then basically derives you to free resources, challenges. And from there, we utilize our network. We get some incredible speakers on there. We're going to be doing some different things. So say, for example, a lot of people came to the virtual hands with Jeremy Jackson. Everyone knows him from Baywatch. He did a breathwork meditation. So it's a sense of knowing these people for one area, but not knowing them from another area. And then 2022, with the world opening up, we are going to be looking at some in-house events, and we're going to be getting some of those around the world. They might be going into 2023. It depends on this world and what (laughs) what comes next, really. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited about 2022 and what we've got planned. And, And the main thing, it's about you guys, everyone that's listening. It's it it really is all about we can't do this without you. And and the end of the day, as we always say, as humans, we crave interaction. We want to feel like we belong. So we are that community. Have you ever felt at a time, it feels like I'm spilling something off now, but it's, it's how I felt <laughs> at the time. It's like, have you ever felt where you, if you're an entrepreneur, where you hear about, you can make this amount, you can do this, you can do this, your socials, but you don't actually quite fit in. You don't like your social media. You don't want to be posting all day. Or maybe everyone seems like they're getting married and you don't... You just want to go, I just actually want to find a community that, hey, I've had a shit day, but I know that so-and-so can pick me up. And there's some resources that I can find out a bit of personal development, which is like a free resource that I can go on. And then maybe I can go on something additional, which might mentor me in certain aspects of my life that I need and transition to something. And it doesn't have to be this you have to do this in six weeks or 12 weeks. It's it's work at your own pace and work with people like ourselves. I mean, I'm from Yorkshire. I, I finished studies. I went traveling. And I think along my journey, it's, I do make friends very easily. That's why I've built a great community. And I do find that. But again, sometimes it does take a long time to find that community where along that journey, you can try and fit into certain aspects, certain groups. And as opposed to through fitness, I had all these people around me and then when I finished because I was the manager and I couldn't do anything for anyone, everyone's kind of like just scarpered away. And I was like, Oh, who's my circle? Who's my community? And, and then the body dysmorphia thing that moves into a whole realm. You're hanging around and I look at my pictures now from then and I go, Glenn, you look fine. And I realized certain people hanging around me was, we all kind of look the same. So we was body obsessed. And, uh, and what does that kind of, 
are we talking about things that really matter in life? Like, where do you want to go in life? Do you, do you sit in your circle of friends? And Damien, a good friend of mine, said it best. He was like, you know, when you picture your group of friends and you go out for a meal and like someone will be complaining about their day or talking about their husband or their wife. He said, who actually sits there with a group of the friends and say, what are your goals for the next six months? How can we help you get there and stuff like that? And I was like, that is the community that I want to build with the IPC. So that's why I'm so excited. I can't wait. I can't wait. And um, I'm sure you'll be letting everybody know when that is live and they can come and join. So last question. Now, you normally ask your guest what imperfectly perfect means to them. But I'm going to change the question slightly because obviously I'm sure you've talked about this on numerous occasions. But I want to ask you, what is that one thing, and there might be more than one, that you consider to be imperfect about yourself, but now you realize actually it's your superpower? Who? I'd say there's two. Now, one would be voice. I think when people realize that their voice is more powerful than they naturally attribute it to thinking what they can do and how powerful it can be to resonate and create ripple effects. I think for me, obviously some people may go, yeah, but you used to be on fitness. You used to teach. So you projected your voice. I think that's different because if I went into an interview for a job interview, I used to kind of like go introverted. It was weird how I could get on stage with what I knew, but then behind So I suppose for that, not really making a song and dance about anything to then suddenly doing this 360 and and knowing how powerful my voice is to bring celebrities together, to bring corporate leaders together, to bring like organizations to have meeting with us and coming and creating this platform and going, bloody hell, like when you read that bio at the beginning, I always ask that question to everybody that comes on and people go, oh, it just sounds really weird just to hear the things you've done. And for you to do it to me, I was like, okay, bloody Check hell. Check me out. <laughs> you're like, it's not, like, I'm a humble guy, but when you hear it, you're kind of like, wow, that's been a lot that's been accomplished in three. And as a humble guy, sometimes you don't realize that because of that voice thing. So now I see that. And the second one I would be is, a discernment that I've realized my superpower is listening to people. Like I have this ability to pluck things out of people and make them cry (laughs) because they feel comfortable talking to me. And I don't know what it is. Again, I'll, I'll revert it to that spiritual aspect. It's just, you can connect because you listen to people. You genuinely want to hear what they've got to say. And I'll, I'll say lastly that people often say, David Meltzer once said it, and I say it in every podcast because it's so integral to people to learn that there's three types of listeners, those that don't listen, those that try to listen, but they're too in the head and thinking about what they're going to say next. And then the latter end, the third person is someone who can literally just sit there, engage in what someone's saying, and they might not even follow on with the question that they preempted, but it'll just flow naturally. And that's one of my superpowers now. Like sometimes some people listen to the podcast and I'm like, well, I, di- I did set out with a, a list of questions, but uh, it just went in a tangent because I was having a good conversation. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, there's great superpowers to have considering, you know, this is the way that you bring those stories to life mm. um, and actually showcase 
the full spectrum of individuals rather than just the very thin slither that we get to see on social media, in magazines, on TV. Is there anything else that you want to leave the listeners with before we leave today? I would just like to say to anybody listening to it, that if you are feeling at a stage where you are struggling, I've been there. I know a lot of people have been there. And one of the things is to have those hard conversations. We really do need to face the reality that once we have those open conversations, things will become better. I, when I went through body dysmorphia, kept it quiet for maybe (laughs) way too long. It went way too deep. And the first time that I opened it up, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. Again, it comes back to that. You throw so much shit on and you think this judgment, what are people going to say? I'm a man, I can deal with it. And you know what? Sometimes we just can't. And there's nothing wrong with admitting you need help. So mine, this is all about a legacy because I do not want to move forward in knowing that my kids would ever have to go through this. And I think at a day and age, we're seeing a lot of things in this world changing. People are struggling at the moment. And I think they, people need to come together as a collective rather than dividing. Now we just need to look at the certain people that are dividing us and who are bringing us together because compassion, love, and humility, humbleness, empathy should be what's uh, moving this world together at the moment. And I think it's interesting that you said just there that, you know, there's this embarrassment that comes with whatever it is that we're going through. And it's just like, why in this day and age where it's part of the human experience, almost everybody that I know of as at some point gone through some sort of mental health issue, problem, whatever you wish to call it, experience. How is it in this day and age that we're still trying to keep it silent? We're still trying to hide it. Everybody knows that we are going through. And when we have those open conversations, we feel so much better. However, I suppose it depends on who you have that conversation with. I agree. And I will just say there's this there's this whole thing. And I think as coaches, as mentors, we've seen it in the past. And hey, probably done it ourselves along our journey. There's this one thing that I always want to make a disclaimer about. Like, I would never be here to preach on anything. It's a personal opinion on what I've gone through. I was probably that person back then. So there's never no judgment on anybody because we can't judge people if we've been there or we've done something. Like we look on our own houses first and that's first and foremost, I like to say and put out there. But I think it comes down to as well is you hear coaches and you see people and they all talk about this surrendering and stepping into your truth. And they talk about what you just said there about fear of judgment. You shouldn't fear anybody or judgment because no one's going to build your dreams except you, but we do and they do. So that to me is kind of, you're not stepping in your truth because as a coach, some people or whatever hold themselves up here because they think they have to, and you can see it. And I think that's the thing with yourself as a positive psychology coach and what I've learned from you behavioral and things like that. You can see in socials and things when people start spiraling. And that's when I start to reach out to people and I'm like, you might be a coach, you might be someone, but I can see there's a disparity in what you're putting out and what you're saying. And I think, 
we had a conversation about this is you move past that part, this entrepreneurship journey of going, I don't care what people think because people aren't da, 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 da. And then you move on to something else, whether personal and you think, oh, I can't speak about that because what goes on in the house should stay in the house. So again, you're going through this fight or flight of like that as well. And then on the flip side of it, you go personal development, spiritual, and then move towards God. And then you suddenly go, oh, I can't say God because then people think I'm religious. And then you go, so we're constantly in this fight or flight again. And um, the true nature of stepping in your truth is just to be, and I hate the word authentic, but truly authentic and just go, this is me. This is who I was born. This is who God intended me to be. If you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't. But I'm in here to do my job and I'm going to get my community. And actually, it's that piece that flipped on its head on its head brings the right community. Because if we can't be ourselves, then the people we're attracting aren't authentically aligned to who we are anyway. Exactly. So, you know, being able to strip it back and it doesn't matter what aspect of your life, whether it's family, work, friendships, money, that that honesty, that truth is what allows us to connect with people on a much deeper level than just this, the mind. Agreed. So I just want to say a massive, massive thank you. You're normally the person that is here interviewing so many different people. And I just think it's really important that people hear the story behind the story. You know, Imperfectly Perfect campaign has got a life of its own. It's changing people's lives on a daily basis. The, the phenomenal people that are stepping forward to be a part of it, um, that's down to you. That's down to you standing in your authenticity, you standing in your integrity, you standing in your honesty. So from my heart to yours, thank you so much for creating a platform, an understanding, a movement, an ethos, a way of being, a way of belonging that has been sorely lacking in this world. So thank you very much, Glenn Marsden. And I can't wait to hear your next podcast. <laughs> well, thank you, Kezia. And guys, thank you for allowing me to share this story. So make sure you go to all the links where we post it. It will be out in a couple of weeks, guys. So keep remembering, have the hard conversations because it's a hard conversation that saves lives. Until next time, guys, thank you. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.